three heavyweights finished their games at weekend with totally different results. Manchester United had a fortunate draw with Chelsea. Bayern Munich pocketed a small win over Bellafield. Juventus suffered a uncaught four loss to Atlanta. All three teams are potential buyers in the coming winter transfer window, but have different needs to meet. Welcome back to CGTN Sports Talk. I am Li Xiang, and I'm glad to be joined by my colleague Josh here. Great to be back. Yeah, I really feel bad for Chelsea, you know,、mm. for not taking down Man United because after what happened with Champions League and、yeah. that dominant Chelsea, it was it was a really it's quite a strange game actually because it was really clear from the way Michael Carrick was on the sideline and the team he selected, like leaving Ronaldo out.、Mm-hmm. That basically what they were just trying to do is get one point from this game. So、mm. ultimately for them it was a success, but the way they got it was really weird. Because that Jorginho miss、mm. is, you know, it's one thing to make a miss, but when he did it and he just stood completely still, it was like he knew exactly how bad it was, and it ended up being quite fortunate for Jadon Sancho because he was in this weird position as he's sprinting down when Marcus Rashford was to his left.、Mm-hmm. And typically, when you're in that position, you wrong foot the keeper, you pass to the、Definitely, other guy, and you、yeah. go. But he could see, you could see, particularly in the replay, he kept checking, and Rashford was running ahead of him, so he was offside. So it's like he knew enough as he's making this dash that the guy he should be passing to is slightly ahead.、Mm-hmm. So he had more work to do to kind of wrong foot the keeper and go、True. around. So it was really smart from him. But then it put Chelsea in this weird position. They said on commentary that. Basically, every time they've gone one nil down, they've、mm. lost, and it is strange because that team functions so well that you would think that they could just kind of click back into gear, especially、exactly. when it's like we're one nil down or United are quite weak at the moment. But they just couldn't get anything going. Like Timo Werner is an absolute waste up front. Like definitely, yeah. He's the he's the one player who Tuchel hasn't been able to fix.、Mm-hmm. Everyone else. You know, everyone else has to be mentioned. It, it was more Lampard's inability to kind of craft a whole team philosophy. Werner is just, you can't blame Lampard for that. Yeah, like Werner is just a complete donkey in front of the goal, and then Rudiger at the end, kind、mm. of just I don't even know what happened. He's completely free. He had time to like take it down, you know, first touch, then knock it in, and instead he just blasts it right into the sky. Are they like in the pr- cooling down process? You know, after a huge win. Yeah, I、League? I almost feel. That they went into this game thinking like ah it's only United it doesn't really matter,、mm. and then when they went one nil down they didn't really know how to recover from that. You know I have a lot of respect for Jorginho for scoring that penalty because、mm-hmm. that was a, one of those cases where you make a mistake that big, even if you don't succeed afterwards there's pressure on you then to play to your complete best. Yeah, being able to step up in a position like that fulfill your role because I believe he's he's the number one penalty taker or he's definitely like high up on the list.、Mm-hmm. Being able to do that was like. A really good sign. I think that that team is confident. It's it's well managed. It's well drilled. So it's a one-one where we kind of come away from it thinking that yes, there should have been more points in it for Chelsea.、Um, but even at their weakest, it shows that there's a lot of like backbone to that team. And then with the United side of things, basically, I think it shows that there is talent in that team. We just need a manager to pull it out who、mm-hmm. can. So, What do you think Man United need? Because they already have too many. Although, despite their disappointing record, yeah, they already have too many in their backroom. Some of them are kind of having trouble for a long time.、Mm-hmm. Named、uh, Pogba, yeah. Sh- 
instead of buying someone, of course, they will always try to get new ones. That's the thing to tell the fans. We get this guy. He will make a difference. But I think before that, they should get rid of someone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the way that team is structured, what they need is definitely to get rid of someone. Like, for the actual players, get rid of, like, half of their attackers because that team is so overloaded up front. Like, when you think about it, it's like Pogba, Rashford, Sancho, Ronaldo, Mm. Bruno Fernandes... Um, I'm sure there's someone I'm missing because there's so many. They have too many. Cavani. (laughs) Cavani, that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, they have Cavani. So they have all of these players who have like overlapping duties. Like Mm -hmm. the Ronaldo role should be the Cavani role. Yeah. Ronaldo coming in has taken the Sancho role because Sancho should be where Rashford is right Mm -hmm. now. So they're all... It's a chain reaction. Precisely. It's a chain reaction that is basically limiting their actual prowess. And then you think about at the back, and it's like Harry Maguire is sloppy mm, these days. Yeah. The two midfielders of uh, Fred and Scott McTominay, like when they play well, it's fine, but they're very much like holding midfielders. There's no real defensive midfield mm. there, which means that as we see in games like the Liverpool one being the biggest example, when a team pushes their way through, they just completely crumble. Mm-hmm. Like the real success of this game is that they were basically. However they were lined up, it was intended to just collapse into like eight at the back, Mm -hmm. flood the box, make sure no one gets a shot. So yes, this transfer window, get rid of some get rid of Pogba at least, because he clearly Can they really (laughs) I mean, I feel like this again with them, it's seasons too late. Had they Mm -hmm. done it maybe last winter or even this summer, there'd be a lot of money into him. This time around, I feel like he's proven himself to be a player who, when he's on, he's on. But if he doesn't like the manager, well, that's it. If he's like his teammates, that's it. He's not a team player. He's a star. That's true. So I feel like he's devalued himself a bit too much here. Um, but yeah, get rid not of him. Not as much as Jadon Sancho. Well, yeah. So I feel like if they get rid of him, at least, you know, make space so Fernandez isn't a starter anymore mm-hmm. until he's back in form, if there is a form, something like that. Because, like I say, it's overloaded at the front. Yeah. And then try get like a central um, central defender, something mm. like that, someone to build a solid defense. Because as we've seen with Tuchel when he came in, as we've seen with a lot of managers, actually, the first thing they do is solidify the defense. Yes. So they stop shipping goals, and that way they can focus on getting the front working. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of work to do. But yeah, get people in in the management, get people out in the front, then finish the season, stock up in the summer. Hmm. Do you think Man United should worry about the uh, fair play policy? So that's the the way that, you know, the financial fair play, I have no idea how that works because you look at the squads that uh, PSG, that Man City have, and somehow they don't seem to fall afoul of this because mm-hmm. it's... They manage to balance their sheet. Right, where then you look at, you know, Everton were like 14th in the league, something like that, and we are always on the verge of being fined because we don't have the money coming in, you have more money going out. So I don't fully know how this system works, but what I do know is you look at the, the amount of money they're spending on like a Ronaldo up front, like he is a luxury player, that in and of itself is weighing them down. So that's partly why I do think they need to get rid of a Pogba type, this kind of superstar player who mm-hmm. isn't getting the full game time they need. And that way, not only are they freeing up money to buy a defender or something they do need, but again, it makes the books better for financial fair play. That's true. And then to the other team, mm-hmm. Bayern Munich, which won, though it's not a strong team, Bellafield, but at least they won yeah. after a very excellent goal by Leroy Sané. Yeah, that goal was one of those ones. It really reminded me of something from like 
FIFA or yeah. international superstar soccer. And the way it curved in and hit like the very center of the back of the goal and mm-hmm. bounced out. But that game was real, like, it was, I want to say, how do I phrase this? It was a very difficult game to watch in the sense of there's no one in the crowd. No. Players are missing. They're wearing the masks on the side. You realize that this is back to where we were about a year ago, mm-hmm. where we're in the middle of the COVID problems. And COVID is why Bayern got knocked out by PSG. True. That's why they're missing Serge Gnabry. It's why they were missing Joshua Kimmich. I watched this game and it was quite slow. It was quite tedious. I was really surprised how open it was in the first like five or ten minutes. It shouldn't be like that against a side as low as Armenia Bielefeld. Mm-hmm. But that to me is one of those things where it's a sign of the quality of Bayern where they felt like they could just throw everyone forward and have a go. But they're so weakened by COVID, yeah. by things of that nature. And also the fact that there's no crowd there, which is just the, the constant visual reminder to me as a fan, to them as players surrounded by it. We're back in COVID. It's going to be problems. They're not firing a full There'll strength. There'll be more coming. Yeah. Like, I almost felt at times they were just playing because they were paid to play. Like, if they had the choice, knowing that... This the, is a risky business out risky there. risky business. Yeah. There's the Omicron variant going around now, things like that. If they had the choice, I highly suspect... Both teams would have said, forget it, we'll do this a different time. That's true. And I think usually as the season goes along, teams like Bayern, of course, they're powerhouses, but without making proper enhancement, their squad just gets thinner and thinner. Right. Now they lack their one of their engines in the midfield, Kimmich. Yeah. And they don't... I don't know if uh, Gnabry comes back, they will put him in the starting position mm. because Kinsley Common already fell out with the club. Right. Gnabry is either the starting or a very key member in the wing. That means Bayern needs a backup plan, mm-hmm. of course, and for Robert Lewandowski. Right. We don't know if he will leave, but even if he's there, you can't just go to him every time you need to go. You need to... Sh- take off his burden. Exactly. Just to go back to what I was saying with that PSG game, that, in essence, showed me basically the build-up to it, the way Bayern were playing under Hansi Flick, that was their strength. Mm -hmm. In that game, we saw their weakness, which is they have absolutely no depth whatsoever. Lewandowski, he's an irreplaceable, I got that, irreplaceable player. But when you have to, be it injuries, be it COVID, be it simply tiredness, because like you say, he can't be playing Mm. in the Bundesliga, Champions League, DFB Pokal every single week. When you're in that position and you have to rest him and you replace him with Eric Maxim Chupamoting, he's obviously not the same standard. He's obviously used to playing as um, Lewandowski at the very front, but he does get service from Sané, uh, from Gnabry. When they on around, suddenly the service dries up. Mm-hmm. Without that service, he's not the same player. No. And there's no one to replace that service yeah. with, like, like I say, if they have injuries and things. So they are absolutely like on the verge, basically, as the season goes on, of being way too thin. The position, like you mentioned with the midfield, is the thing I think they should have always focused on. Mm. Just to skip ahead to the transfer window, they still haven't found a proper replacement for Thiago. No. Because he was always great, as we mentioned with the Liverpool uh, discussion last week, at finding the space, getting these pinpoint passes down the field, to basically bypass an opponent's holding midfield. Maybe Mm. if they were playing a high line, they'd get right past it. They don't have someone like that at the moment. And as we've seen with Kimmich being out with COVID, when he isn't there either, their midfield is basically non-existent. They're just relying on the 
talents of Thomas Muller, people like that who mm-hmm. can, on a one-on-one basis, overpower most of the um, Bundesliga. But then when you come to a game like this, I almost think these days, because of the COVID, the smaller teams like Armenia Bielefeld, they will think we can give them a go. True. So when they think, okay, we're going to lose anyway, let's just throw everyone up, let's give them a game, the thinness mm-hmm. of a Bayern squad gets revealed. So I do think that this is a very important window. I don't really know who they should be going for, like who a main target is, but they definitely need to bolster that midfield. That's the one place where they where they didn't. You know, like we were saying, Lewandowski's there at least most of the time. Thiago is gone and there's no one in That's true. What I uh, read from Bayern's uh, franchise recent years is that sometimes they can build a great depth, mm. but some players are not comfortable there. I understand that because yeah. they're talented, maybe not as talented as their starting counterpart, but mm-hmm. they will be thinking like, okay, I'm just sitting on a bench. When that guy is injured, that's when you need me. Yeah. That usually works for goalkeepers because mm. you have different tournaments and leagues to play. Yeah. But for players who don't really just you know remain in the box, they need time. Yeah. You know, even to warm up because sitting on a bench will freeze you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's I think they're in the weird position of being both a footballing giant, but smaller than the rest. So you can look at say um, say a PSG side. True. If you're on the bench at PSG, you're still making a lot of money. You're still going to be basically guaranteed trophies every year. They will um, run you out for like a smaller tournament, mm-hmm. the Coupe de France, or yeah, something, for yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. With Bayern, you're not in that position because no. you may be big, but you're not that big. You're yeah, because st- there are names that you literally read every day on newspaper. Yeah, exactly. So... You know, I think that that's a, an issue that they have to solve. I also think that, you know, they are in this weird position now, where they have this reputation of being a very intense, constantly attacking mm-hmm. squad, but that tires people out. Yeah, what they probably need to do is maybe slow down a little bit, have more variety in the in their play, because that was the thing with Hansi Flick. He was incredible at what he got that team to do. But they had one particular mode, which is push up the right, pull back on the left. When you reach the end of a season, the players are so tired from that constant pressure that they just can't compete at that high level mm-hmm. anymore. So they almost need to start getting this depth just so they can play like that and rotate people in and out on like a game-by-game basis. Um, but yeah, so that's why I think they should be doing. Yeah, and then to Juventus. Mm-hmm. Unlike the other two, because at least they got acceptable acceptable results, mm-hmm. Juventus lost. If you count the Champions League, that's two losses already in yep. a row. And after selling Renato, I don't know what position that team are is in, because are they rebuilding? Apparently they're not in the Champions League. Yeah. But do, who do they have to reboot around? I couldn't name anyone. Yeah, it's one of those things where you look at that squad and player by player, it's very talented. Like mm-hmm. the front two, Alvaro uh, Morata and, and Paolo Dybala, like they're really great players. They are. But they're just not functioning. No, I, they don't strike you as the ace. Yeah, no. and I don't know what it is. Because when I was watching this game against Atalanta, it's like you can basically go, you can look at the list of that, uh, Juventus team and like yeah players in national teams mm. players who've won the Champions League the Euros, even, Euros yeah. things like that you look at uh, Atalanta and they don't really have anyone like no. that um, 
and yet they were consistently outplayed. It's one mm. of those things where I wish I knew more about Italian football so I could say this with certainty, but I am pretty much convinced, based on what I've seen and what I hear, that Gasparini is like the best manager in football right mm. now because he's taken a team that, you know, they mentioned on the commentary for this that um, Atalanta haven't beaten Juventus since 1989. True. <laughs> so it's such a long run, and it isn't that they beat them. Like, yeah, it was 1-0. But they were outplayed consistently through the game. And the thing that's interesting is I was trying to watch it with that eye, like you said, like, are they rebuilding? Who's the ace? Like, what is this team doing? And it's very difficult to do because they were set up in like a classic 4-4-2. Mm-hmm. But then Atalanta are 3-5-2. And the thing that was really clear is if you look at the just you follow them not as players but as formation up and down the pitch. The way Atalanta were using that five in the middle to like overload up front, mm. pull back to flood the box when they needed to, it was like they were confusing Juventus so much that they couldn't fit into an actual 4-4-2. And then Juventus did, to their credit, start figuring things out towards the end. But there was, towards the final half hour, I think it was, when those front two that we mentioned um, were getting, basically, I feel like they both pushed forward at the same time with the mm. idea of like passing between each other. Both of them were marked by two defenders each. So even when they figure out this, let's say, confusion, that's what I think they're doing, that Gasparini's sides set, are set up to do, when they figure that out, he still has them doing such great man marking that he can just stop them in any position. You know, there were quite a few chances towards the end, but they were all kind of in the box, kind of wild. They were quite reliant on like the accuracy of... Like, Dabal, if he gets a bit of space, a bit of run on it, he can make a good good go of it. There was nothing that was set up, nothing that was intentional. Um, you know, Locatelli, players like that, just did absolutely nothing because they were just constantly swarmed by this Atalanta side, who are pretty famously, if you know my knowledge is correct, for being a pretty small side. Yeah, definitely. You know, Juventus, what? They won it nine times in a row. Mm-hmm. And then here they are getting completely outfoxed by this smaller side. Um, if we're going to talk about what they need in the transfer window, I think what they need is Ronaldo, I, which is a it's oh. a bad thing to say, but it looks to me like that a team that is playing towards a striker who is not there. It's like there's an invisible man on that team that mm-hmm. is not there. And you'd think Allegri would, you know, we are how many weeks into the season now? Like quite far in. Yeah. And... I, every time I think he's finally like cracked the code, he's imposing his system again. Games like this happen where they're playing like they're missing a man, mm-hmm. and that man in every case, when I look at it, I think is just Ronaldo again. That's true because he did that, yeah, constantly. So I think they're playing as if they're expecting that, or as if they're going to find that, and I don't know where that comes from. Because they're an Italian club, and they're not been well known for being rich as rich as Bayern mm-hmm. or Man United yeah. and also Serie A today doesn't sound so attractive now especially yeah. when great players I'm not going to say superstars like Lukaku he won a championship in Inter and then Chelsea reached out to say okay I'm going there exactly yeah. the I actually that is a really good point because I have a feeling that in this transfer window they will have to do a lot more than they would have to to convince someone to arrive because Ronaldo like just volunteered to leave. It wasn't like he was forced out, he just wanted to go. Mm-hmm. That's a really bad sign. Lukaku leaves. But also who comes in? It's like Olivier Giroud at the other mm-hmm. Milan who is like 30 yeah. or something. Um, Ibrahim Ibrahimovic, exactly, still playing God. in his 40s. Yeah. Like, 
it's almost becoming like the European equivalent of the MLS. So much for today. Thank you for listening. Hopefully we'll be hearing from you guys very soon next week. Speak to you soon. See ya.